football. It's America's game, America's favorite sport. The hard hits, the passion, the speed, the scheming. There's nothing like it. And now, for a breakdown of everything Vikings football and beyond, it's the Morris and Moss Podcast. Here's the superstar Mike Morris and NFL Network's Randy Moss. We are back. That's all I need to say. You know where we're at when I say we're back. We're back at Milo Barbell Club. It's Randy Moss from the NFL Network. It's the big voice, Manny Hill. It's the superstar, Mike Morris. You think it ain't? And uh, you know what? All we do around here is we talk, we talk Vikings football. Now, the last time around, that last little Monday night fiasco with the Seattle Seahawks at CenturyLink Stadium in the great Northwest, well, what happened there, well, it sucked. It just sucked tail, the, the right, right out of the right, and, and the wind right out of our sail, by the way. Uh, when you come up and you play a great team and you're looking to get over the top and turn the new page, fight to get back in it, then you have some, some, some kicker decide he's going to come out and, and miss an extra point and put you on a, a chase where it's now four points instead of three points. It changes the whole complexion of the game for me. I was frustrated. I, I'll bet you can't tell. I was frustrated because you chase him down, and if he makes the extra point, it's now a three-point deficit that you can now manage the game differently at, at the end of the game. You play completely differently. Instead, of course not. We have a stupid-ass kicker that doesn't want to make an extra point, and now we fight like we have since the days that I played with kickers ever since then. It's just a jinx. All right, I'm done. Venting my ass off. I'm sick and tired of kickers. They're, they're lap dogs. They're like poodles. I, they're worthless. Now there, I'm done. Feel better? I feel better for big voice. Unless Randy, you have, unless Randy. You have a good one. You good? You have a good Are we one. all right? <laughs> I would, hey, if we had a good kicker. Oh, Bailey, you know, fourth greatest kicking percentage. You know what? Then make the damn extra point. Let's play some real football down the stretch instead of having to have a touchdown. Damn it. All right. The entire NFL is in a kicking crisis right they now. They are. It's, it's the worst in more than a decade in terms of overall field goal percentage. Extra points are probably going to end the season as an all-time record of futility. Um, the, the problem with any kicker in the NFL, if you decide, okay, we're going to make a change, who do you switch to? Because the guys that they're bringing in off the street are like at 67% field goals right now. So they're even worse. Garbage dumpster. So, I mean, I, I don't have a problem you, with What do you Bailey, do, really? But, I mean, I, like Mike Tice used to say back when I was playing, and even after I got done and I was in radio more and uh, he became the head football coach, is that you really don't know how one of these guys are going, going to turn out. Even if they were a good kicker coming out of college, you, you don't really know what a kicker is going to be until – Three years in, they they sort of they sort of get their wings and they start to fly at about three years into their careers, or they they sputter out and they literally don't make it. And it's all about pressure. It's all about how you step into a kick and make the big kicks early in your career. And he was right. I mean, I don't know where he got his stat on that, but he was absolutely right. Unbelievable. It's it's the truth. The kickers are absolutely hit or miss 
three to four uh, uh, seasons in, into their careers. And if they do blossom, they're around for a long time, and they do even kind of linger from team to team. What was the stat that you just had up there, Manny? 60 missed extra points. 60 of them? That's, I, I, you know, it's going to be a record-breaking year. Now, you back the thing up. The extra point is backed up, we know, since uh, how many years have they been doing that now forever? It's changed everything. It's the mentality of kickers and how and they, the, to make a 33-yard field goal instead of just a regular extra point the way it used to be is a, is a mindset that still should be an automatic, and it's just not anymore. They just it's a it's a it's a tweener, you know, between an automatic just get it over the top of the defensive lineman, get it up high enough, and get it out of there. It's going to go through, right? And now it's backed up just enough that if you come across the damn thing. It's going to be, you'll hit it left. You see it all the time. It's like a golf swing. It's just, you know, if you hit it across and over the top, it'll pop left. Before, that used to go through. It was close enough, it used to go through. Well, guess what? Our kickers are the worst of the worst. Now, I'm done. All right. Blair Walsh, I'm gonna, you name it. Someone help me out here. I need to get off this. Well, I'm going to cut to the chase. Did, <laughs> did you really expect the Vikings to go in to Century Link Field on a primetime night yeah. game against one of the top six or seven teams in the NFL and the Seahawks and come away with a win? I thought they played well. I, I thought they played really well. I, I really did. did. I honestly do. You know, there were some, some real glitchy things. Both teams had big mistakes. You know, we had a broken coverage with Xavier Rhodes again. He's thinking there's help over the top. There's not. Now they turn around and they blow their coverage, and Treadwell's standing wide open, 58 yards, touchdown. So a lot of mistakes. I mean, the ball's tipped up in the air, and Russell Wilson, the heads-up player that he is, he's like, I'm gonna, I need to slap that thing down and not let it be tipped around and, and uh, you know, housed by some big defensive lineman. He slapped. He slaps it straight to a defensive back who houses it for a touchdown. But, I, I mean, there were some crazy plays in this football game. The one constant thing that has bothered me from almost day one is the inconsistency of this defense to be, to be the elite defense that it is, for them to allow another 100-yard game on the ground, and then for us to not find a way to get Dalvin Cook sprung for any more than he did, 29 yards on nine carries. I can't believe that that's the best we can do with a running back like that. And our, our elite bunch on the other side, our seven, I'm not, I'm, I mean, the back end, we've got enough issues at the back end of our defense, but the seven up front gave up 100 yards. And I, I'm telling you, that's where, we're, that's where we're getting our rear end handed to us. Yeah, it caught the coaching staff a little by surprise. Uh, I've spent some time out there this week. Um, you know, we've talked about it a lot, the problems with the back end of the defense, uh, the play of Xavier Rhodes and some of the other corners. Um, and that has been the area in which the opposition has most frequently chosen to attack the Vikings, and for good reason. They've, they've gotten mileage out of it. So during the bye week in Seattle, the Vikings spent an extensive amount of time going back to fundamentals with the secondary, you know, trying to trying to coach the cornerbacks back up again. And if you look at the numbers other than the blown coverage that Xavier Rhodes had that led to the touchdown, or that, you know, the 60-yard touchdown pass to, to David Moore, the corners played better. 
But what surprised the Vikings was that instead of going after the corners and, you know, trying to air it out and, and pick on the Vikings back there, the Seahawks did a 180. They got extra beef up front. They, they played George Fant, their, uh, their huge offensive tackle, as a, as a tight end, basically a, second, a third tackle in the game yep. for 42 offensive plays and just pounded the Vikings into submission. I yep. uh, had a chance to ask George Edwards, the defensive coordinator today, you know, and Zimmer talked about it as well, what happened to the run defense, and they both said the same thing, that it was just a matter of players being out of position at key moments, missing some tackles, and then trying to do too much and trying to, trying to make big plays happen and get away from their assignments and try to do something that they really aren't supposed to be trying to do, which forced them even more out of their gaps. So it's kind of like putting your finger in a dike, right? I mean, they've, <laughs> they got the, the cornerback play straightened out to a certain extent, uh, but then the running game defense – Springs a leak. So now, now they've got to try to get it all back going again. You compensate. You, know. you try and slide people up and back and try and walk that picket fence between how high you can play your linebackers, how low, how close do you want them up for the run, how much further back do you want people? Russell Wilson can drop it over the top of any, any coverage. And so you do. You fight with how tight can you play a defense for the run or pass. And it's just a fine line because you're going to cross – He's going to cross over it. Just He can read it and see it and get it over the top or scramble and make something out of it. And so it makes it very, very difficult. Yeah, good run blocking offensive line, good physical running backs and Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, and they just pounded the Vikings into submission up on the front end. More the, the most yards rushing that the Vikings have allowed since 2015 in any one individual game. One individual. So. Uh, I, I was, I was I mean, telling you what, when you go in there and you play this, the kind of football that – that the Vikings needed to play, and quite, quite, quite frankly, you know, Kirk Cousins played a good game. I mean, I thought he played extremely well. He held up his end of it. The one guy you don't expect to maybe hold up prime time, you know, the the big game against the big team, at the, you know, on the on, on the national spotlight, is here's Cousins, you know, always under the spotlight, you know, the the whole stigma that he has of not being able to I thought he delivered he played well. I, mean, I think played he played well. extremely well under the crunch situation and had a nice you know the late comeback surge that he had with Treadwell and, and my god Kyle Rudolph again coming up Eden I'm big for the for like the second of, of three weeks now where he just lit the place up and made the great catches the timely catches even had some yards after catches Kyle Rudolph has reemerged, and um, that was the, that's been the difference maker for the Vikings with Thielen being being down and out, is that Kyle Rudolph of all people has been sort of the reinvented Viking offense and, and passing attack. Uh, I have no trouble with Diggs, and Treadwell's even made a mark on it. But the fact is, is that if we're gonna, the, I think that if you can get Dalvin Cook up and running consistently, literally, up and running. You can, you can win any of these last four games, and in fact, all four games. Detroit, San Diego, Green Bay, Chicago, you can win out with the kind of running game that that kid has proven he can, he can play. 
Madison needs to make an make an appearance from time to time, more so than he has. That's that was the, they had a great combination going with Madison and Cook. The kid would come in and spell. He's a hard nosed running back, Madison. He punches him right in the mouth and softens that defense, and then Cook can come back in with fresh legs. They've got to get back to that. Well, you might see a lot more of Madison Sunday against Detroit because Dalvin Cook is not 100. Um, percent If you go back to the Broncos game before the bye, week 11, uh, there was a play right at the end of the first half in which he was he had just scored a touchdown. They were going for a two point conversion. They brought him across on a jet sweep. He couldn't get to the uh, to the end zone, and he landed really hard on his right shoulder. I saw that. Went back to the bench, grasping his upper chest, his shoulder. Uh, it happened again to him in the in the third quarter, or excuse me, that was early in the fourth quarter of the game against the Broncos in the middle of their comeback. It happened to him again in the middle of the fourth quarter, even after the bye week uh, when he came back uh, Monday night. Uh, it it happened twice to him. He, he fumbled once earlier when he got hit right on that spot, and then in the third quarter when he went out for good with eight minutes to play. He says he's going to be good to go uh, for Sunday, but – He's not 100% right now. Uh, so he may be on if he – the Vikings could decide to get conservative and say, okay, we're playing the Lions, we're playing at home, they don't have Matthew Stafford, uh, we should be able to win this game, we've got a good backup in Madison, we may just decide to sit Dalvin for a week and, and, and get him a little closer to 100%. Or they could play Dalvin and just put him on a pitch count and you know, play Madison a lot more frequently than they've been playing him to date. But and I, I don't know about you, Randy. I mean, Manny also, I don't know if you missed that much. I don't know if you missed that much. It's hard to say this, but with Madison in there, I don't know if you if the margin is that much of a drop-off between Cook and the way that kid's been running the football. I mean, it's a different style completely. There's no way he's got the acceleration that Cook has to the outside, but you know, between the tackles – he might even be more physical than Cook, and he's not going to be brought down on the first tackle, and, he's, and he seems to bounce up after every play. It's like you're not going to hurt him. Uh, that, that he's a, a different kind of back than we've had around here in a long time. I say you put C.J. Ham back there, let him just, you know, put some, put some lead out there in front and shorten his neck a little bit more and go, go get him. I think that you put Madison in there for the brunt of the, of the, of the running responsibility. Cook behind that with the pitch count, 13 to 15 carries. I think you're in good shape on this. I really do. I think you can move the sticks. Cousins can do the rest. And uh, you can come out of each and every one of these games coming down the stretch. We've got Detroit next, 3-8. and eight. You had a great stat when, when you came in this evening to do the podcast. Tell us again what that stat was that you gave me. With the Lions? By the yeah, Lions. they are. Uh, there are only three teams in the NFL this season that have had the lead at some point in every game that they've played so far, in all in all 13 games that they've that they've played, or is it 12? Uh, how many games have 12. they played so far? 12, 12 so far. The three teams, two would make sense: the the uh, the 49ers, 49ers and the Chiefs, and Chiefs, and the other ones, the Lions. The Lions of all people. Yeah, I mean, but that's what you know. And they were they've been playing that kind of football. They gave us a hell of a game the first time around. I mean, they're a good football team. Now, you know, Stafford's not going to be around, I don't think, again. But uh, they still have managed to do a pretty good job. Uh, defensively, they're always going to. Uh, Matt, 
Um, God, his last name escapes me again. Patricia. Matt Patricia. He's a, a he's a defensive mind. He's a guru. He's the New England, uh, you know, guru that he was, still is, and that, that you can definitely tell the difference in this team. Uh, and it's because of the head coach. There's no question that he's already influenced that team in a very positive way. Um, and this team is never going to quit. He's got they've got that New England quality about them that uh, they're going to play to the very end. And they've been close in every single game. And the biggest margin of error, did you say, was 12 points, Randy? Yeah, they've, that's, the, that's their largest margin of defeat in their eight games so far uh, was when the Vikings beat them in week seven. Uh, I'm telling you. 42 to 30. It's a real te- this is a real team coming in here. Yeah. And we're going to have our work cut out. Well, when you look back at their schedule, um, you know, they, they started off pretty hot. They, they had the game won against the Arizona Cardinals, right? They had a, tw- a 24 to 6 lead. In the, at the beginning of the fourth quarter in week one, and they wound up tying that game uh, after an overtime period. Then they beat the Chargers. Then they beat the Eagles in Philly. Then the Chiefs, at, they had them down in the fourth quarter as well, okay, and that game was in Detroit. Uh, at one point with just a, a, few, a couple of minutes to go, they had them in a fourth and eight at their own 35-yard line, and Patrick Mahomes converted it. The stats, I think, were – Gave the uh, Lions an 82% chance to win the game at that point. And the Chiefs came back to score a touchdown on that last drive and, and win it. And then the next week, they played the Packers at Lambeau. You remember, I know you remember because we talked about it, the two hands-to-the-face penalties that oh Trey gosh. Flowers was oh called for that very likely cost the Lions that game. The Packers wound up winning at 23-22. to A lot of controversy about those hands-to-the-face penalties. That's these Lions. They probably should have won that game as well. So they should have. They've, they've had some bad luck in terms of close games, in terms of bad calls, and now in terms of injuries with Matthew Stafford out. on Johnson, uh, their star running back, went on injured reserve. They might get him back for the last couple of games, but the Vikings won't have to see him. They've got a guy named Bo Scarborough, a rookie, that has taken his place that's done, that's done fairly well. Uh, but other than that, the bulk of the offense is fairly intact. They've got a good offensive line, better than the Vikings. They've got a receiver in Marvin Jones Jr. that caught four touchdown passes against the Vikings in week seven, if you recall. I do. He's not even their best receiver. Kenny Galladay is their best Galladay's receiver. Galladay's the guy, 990 they got Danny yards, Amendola, yeah. who had 100 yards receiving against the Vikings in yep. week seven. So. so they're locked and loaded. They are locked and loaded. And. Um, it's going to be a matter of us trying to find a running game, and that's all there is to it. I, I, I don't have any trouble with our defense. They'll bounce back from whatever it was. Um, you know, but, I mean, there's always, there's always that but-if factor because of Xavier Rhodes being, I think, a huge liability right now. I, I don't think he's right. I don't think he's healthy. Uh, I think he's playing too big. I don't think he moves the same as he used to when he was better. And people were calling him a shutdown corner, which he was not even then. But but the guy right now is a liability. I mean, he makes bonehead mistakes. The hit that he put on the running back out of bounds was dumb. It was dumb. I mean, he gets up like, what did I do? Yeah, you're, you're a dumbass. That's what you are. That's what you did. Another bonehead play. And now, that's something that he does almost every game, by the way. It's either a yellow flag. Or it's a, a bonehead, uh, blown coverage. But the guy is not playing well. I mean, that's what happened. I mean, some guys, you can pay them, and they step up, and they play like 
gangbusters because the contract's out of the way, the pressure's off, now I can just play and enjoy and play ball. Other guys are, you pay them, you know what, I don't have to work anymore. I'm good, I'm so good, look at my money, I, I got paid, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna bank it, and I'm not gonna have to worry about anything again, but they don't play, they don't play anymore either. Now, if it's another contract year, they come back and play a little bit. And I've seen it happen over and over again. You reward a guy who's busting his tail and working really hard, and Zimmer got Xavier Rose to a pretty high level. No question about it. And now it's just like mailing them in, as far as I'm concerned. The people that are around, that are around Xavier Rhodes say that he works hard and that he's, he, he puts a lot of time in. Um, to his credit, he has, especially yesterday, uh, totally fallen on the sword and has acknowledged a lot of times this year that he's not playing as well as he wants to play. Um, he says, it, it, you know, after that touchdown pass that he gave up when, he, when there was a blown assignment, he said it was 100% his fault. He thought he had safety help, and he didn't. He, went, he came to the sidelines. He had words with Zimmer. He threw his helmet down on the ground. He knocked a water bottle out of the hand of an assistant. Uh, he exchanged some words with Anthony Barr, who tried to cool him down. He apologized for that yesterday, and he said part of his frustration is just that he's been working really hard to try to get back to where he was in 2017, for example, when he was first-team All-Pro, and he's not playing well. Yeah. And he knows he's not playing well. He says he expects – now, this is, again, you know – and you were out they, there. You've been out there this week. I yeah. mean, the, you were assigned the, the Vikings, yeah. and uh, so you have firsthand knowledge of most of this. So. He said this. The, the, this is what he says. The, the switch is going to flip. Just a matter of when. The switch is going to flip. If he keeps working hard, is there any that word that he's gonna, that he's nicked and he's been trying to come back and he fight did through something? Say he did say I've been dealing with some things, and and he was asked to be a little more specific. And he didn't. He chose not to. They said we said uh, f uh, physical or mental, and he said both. My confidence is down uh, because I haven't been playing well. And when you work as hard as I do, and you don't see the results on the field, he said it really starts to get to you after a while. But he said all I'm gonna, all I can do is just keep keep working, keep grinding, keep grinding. And and I, he said I think that switch will flip. And when it does, then I'll be then I'll be good. We'll see if that happens. That's interesting. We'll see if that's that interesting. Happens. And that's straight from from the the Vikings camp. I I can t I can tell you with my experience of being around football as long as I have that when that happens, when that happens, it's a player who they didn't. They didn't put in the time when they were supposed to. Now they're trying to put in the time to get things right and to work through it. But if they had done the time instead of doing, having too much fun in the off season with with the new money and the new purse, that that, that now they're trying to make it right. Now they're trying to work at it. They're they're working really hard because they're behind. I think he's he doesn't look physically as imposing as he was in seventeen or even last year. Uh, it shows by the way he runs and the way he turns and runs and tries to make a break on it. I don't see it. I don't see it. And and not that he was ever the best at it to begin with. Uh, I see a lot more uh, blame game going on or he'll flop and be hurt if he misses a play or a coverage. I've seen a lot of that from him. Um, 
But I saw him make up with Harrison Smith on the sidelines, so I know that he knew that he thought he was going to try and blame it on Harrison Smith, who, by the way, is the last person you should blame anything on. He's probably covering for you on every play. But he went over and got a hug from Harrison Smith like, you know, my bad, which don't be throwing the helmets around when you know darn good and well that it's your bad to begin with. So anyway, I'm, I, I'm, I don't know I, anything about his off-season work ethic or anything like that, but uh, all I know is the same thing you know, is that if he begins – if he can flip that switch and if he can suddenly begin to play like the Xavier Rhodes of a couple of seasons ago when he was – you know, Rhodes closed was the, uh, was the little funny saying they had around the locker room. That could be huge, huge for the Vikings. Rhode teams. Island. Yeah, Rhode Island. I, I, I think that he's – when he was playing like that, he's a big physical guy. He's intimidating. He can chuck you at the line of scrimmage and, and plant you because he's a physical guy. He really is. But that's, I, I will hand him that. And he's, he's a physical presence on the run as well. But it's just that when you, when you decide you're, you're believing every single thing that you hear in the paper about how good you are and that you're shut down this and that, instead of just going about your business, it, it all goes back to what Belichick is all about. The four rules of the, of the New England Patriots. Don't believe the hype. That means whatever good or bad is said about this team, just brush it off, and it's only what we're going to do out of this room. It's, you're going to come in this room, it's us, only we know how good we are, how bad we are. Second thing is speak up for yourself. And speak for yourself. Three is ignore the noise. Number four is manage expectations. That's all you have to do. And when, when you see people doing this, it's because they're, they believe the hype about how good they are. And now all of a sudden, people are running past them. And, get, and they're getting burnt. Or they thought, well, my, you know, I thought it was safety help. Wait, then why don't you study some film? You didn't have safety help, and you didn't know what your responsibility was, so you don't know. And there's another Belichick. You either don't know or you don't care. Which is it? And I'd like to thank some new people on the block with their sponsorship of the Morrison Moss Podcast, Essence Skin Clinic, located in downtown Rochester, Minnesota, right next to the Mayo Clinic. Get down there. They're qualified. They're staffed up with physicians, nurses, estheticians, and they're rated in the top 6% nationally. Now, they invite people from all walks of life, from all around the world, into their clinic. They've done that for 30 years now. Okay, They've hosted celebrities and dignitaries and queens from around the world for their skin care needs. Now, if you're looking for CBD products, they've got them. In fact, they've got Serene Premium CBD products. Uh, those are made using the highest quality industrial hemp, manufactured in a GMP certified and FDA registered insured compliant facility. Now, you want to make sure you use your coupon. That's right. We have a coupon code, Superstar68, to receive 25% off your purchase. Now, here's the best part. You could go to EssenceSkinClinic.com, order it online, and they'll ship it to you right to your doorstep absolutely free. Not bad, huh? Get on down there and say hi to Jennifer Sandman for me. And let them know the superstar Mike Moore sent you down there. And then also I'd like to thank Dodge of Burnsville, The Office, Sneaky Pete's, and speaking of Pete, Pete Peterson's State Farm Agency. Get down there. Pete's got his own agency now. I used to work with him at Dodge of Burnsville, in fact. So we got a lot of overlapping sponsorship here from the past. But Pete and I used to do all the Dodge commercials down at 
Dodge of Burnsville. Well, not go over there and get your car insured at, 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 at his State Farm agency. He'll take great care of you, okay? Uh, and now back to the podcast. So enough on, on, on Xavier Rhodes. We grilled him pretty good here. But, I, but I'll tell you what, that's the biggest liability on that defensive side of the ball because if you looked up and down the line, the linebacker play I think is up. The defensive line play is always good, very solid, very solid. And I just I, – I know they gave up a lot of yards, but they did they, – the Seattle Seahawks ran the unbalanced line. They, the, you know, the, the three tackles set, if you will. Uh, and that's tough. That's tough. If you're not lined up for it and ready for it, then that can burn you. They'll buy the edge. Um, but that's where it is. So here's where the Vikings find themselves right now. I mean – I, I, we knew, and we talked about it on this podcast, that there were two games on their schedule that looked extremely tough for the Vikings. Road games at Arrowhead and at CenturyLink. They played well against Kansas City. They couldn't come away with a win. They lost by a field goal. They played well against Seattle. Couldn't come up with a win. So now, this is their situation. Four games remaining. According to the analytics site, uh, 538.com, they have an 82% chance to make the playoffs. Okay based on the analytics. That makes sense. But only a 28% chance to win the division. And the reason for that is that even if the Vikings went out and they beat, and they beat the Packers mm-hmm. at U.S. Bank Stadium and they finish with the same record, if the Vikings win their other games, they have the Redskins coming up Sunday, then they have the Bears, and they close with the Lions, okay? Right. They have the tiebreaker. Yeah, they and do. The, the first yes, tiebreaker do. after head-to-head is division record. And if the Packers manage to win out other than the Vikings, the Vikings will have been the only team in the division that's beaten the Packers this year. Meanwhile, the Bears and the Packers have both, to to date, have both beaten the Vikings. So the Packers would win the NFC North based on that tiebreaker. So really the best chance, almost the only chance, that the Vikings are going to have to win the division and get a home game is if the Packers lose twice. Now, to us and somebody else. To us. And like the Redskins. Definitely would have to be once, obviously, to, uh, to the Vikings. But they play the Redskins in, uh, in Washington this Sunday. Uh, they play the Bears at Soldier Field. Then they have two road games back-to-back against the Vikings here. And then they close out Week 17 against the Lions uh, in Detroit. So there are a lot of combinations there. There are. In, inner division and uh, out of the division, out of the, you know, with the Redskins still being in conference play, is that if they lose to us and, and one of those other three teams, uh, that, yeah. but and, and we'd have to, oh, by the way, win out uh, to be able to pull this thing off. And but, I don't know if it, I don't know if it matters. I, I mean, I, I think you get in – with, with the kind of division we're playing in right now, and always a Green Bay, and it, it's always going to be that way. With Aaron Rodgers at, at the helm, at quarterback, it's always going to be this way. You just need to find a way to get in the playoffs and then survive. Yeah. You know, you like Gene Stallings used to say, get, you know, when, you know, you know you're, you're, he used to say, split the division and win the rest. Split the division, win the rest. Well, that's easier said than done, but that'll get you in the playoffs. But get in the playoffs, and then someone's got to play in the big game at that point. So now it's the tournament, and it's survive in advance. And I'm, I'm big on that. Now, the rest of the way, you look at what the Vikings have, and they're certainly not gimmies. 
that's got that. I mean, that 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 alarm has got to be sounded right off the bat here because we talk about okay, if the Vikings went out and if the Packers, you know, okay, let's take the first scenario to begin with. Can the Vikings win out? Detroit, you mentioned they're one of the best, if not the best, eight-loss team in the NFL, but they don't have Matthew Stafford. They've lost five games in a row, all one-score games, but they've lost five games in a row. You would have to think the Vikings would probably be a double-digit favorite to beat the Lions at home. The Vikings have such a big home field advantage. But then, then the Vikings have to go back to California to play another team that has lost a succession of close games in the Los Angeles Chargers. You had a stat about the Chargers. What was, Manny, what, what was the, what Manny, was the what stat? Was you stat? came into a Milo Barbell Club with a stat. The Chargers are 4-8, and eight, and all eight of their losses uh, were by, I believe, seven points or less. And even though despite their 4-8 and eight record, they have a plus three-point differential on the season. <laughs> You can't make that up. You can't. That's a that's an unusual one. That's an incredible stat. And the Vikings' record on road games in California is not especially stellar. No. And you've got Philip Rivers, and you know the the Chargers are a decent team, even though their record doesn't necessarily show it. So that's a challenge. Then you got to beat the Packers, and then you close out the season against the Bears, a team that's been obviously had the Vikings' number recently. Although the last two games were at Soldier Field, and they'll get the Bears at home. But, uh, you know, these are not slam dunks. They're not. They're not. And, and it's, they're, they're, they're all gamer teams, as we mentioned. Certainly Detroit and San Diego, even though their re- records would reflect uh, teams that just do nothing but lose, those are, those are all hard-fought games that they're losing. And so anytime you're in a ball game with a team like that, it's dangerous. I mean, it's like trying to back an animal into a corner. Uh, that's what you'll have. They'll play on pride alone. Uh, you know, uh, Matt uh, Patricia's teams are not going to lay down. They're not going to lay down. It, uh, th- those days of a, of a Lion team just uh, imploding and laying down, and those days are gone. I'm telling you right now. There's a new culture in Detroit, and it's going to change. If they have a decent draft or two, it's going to change that team completely. Uh, you, you mark my words. There's a different man in town, and he's coached forever with Belichick, and, he, and I think he's one of the guys that can make a big difference in that team. So the issue that they're having right now is that they're not giving up, obviously, not with, not under Matt Patricia, but they are wearing down in the fourth quarter. They've given up so far this season. They've given up an average of 118 yards total offense in the fourth quarter to the opposing team, right? If you go back to the 1970 AFL-NFL merger, 50 seasons ago, there's only eight teams in those 50 years that have finished the season giving up that much yardage average in the fourth quarter. So the Lions are playing at a, at a historically bad rate defensively in the fourth quarter, which is, which is why that stat that, you know, they're the, one of the three teams in the NFL that's actually led at some point in every game. They just haven't been able to finish it out. They've been wearing down. I don't know if it's depth. I don't know what it is. It's not effort. But you have to wonder why, real... why it is the fourth quarter where they're losing all these games. Uh, and you have to wonder what that is. Because you have to, you obviously in the NFL, a lot of the games do come down to a field goal to win it or lose it or, you know. They're close. They're, they're, most of them are hard-fought games, so you have to learn how to close games down. 
and they're not. Uh, they're finding ways to lose games at the end, which is kind of typical Detroit Lion football. But I, you can tell by the way this team plays, let's say for the first three quarters at least of every game, that they're in them to win them. They really are. They come out prepared. You can tell they're prepared. And you can tell that they're out to a start because they've prepared and they have scripted plays and they have plays that work and execution. And falling apart at the end is peculiar. But uh, but a stat like that, mentioning all the way back 50 years. Like is, football's a symbiotic game. It could also be have something to do with the offense having a lot of three and outs in the fourth quarter. and, and Just tired. Yeah, and giving the ball defense right back just to tired. the other team. Tired. And, and the defense is three and outs. Right three and you outs. got Darius Slay. You've got – um, Trey Flowers, obviously the big free agent acquisition. Great players. You've got Gerard Davis, who's a good linebacker. You've got some talent. Good on that players. Defense. Good players. You got a, a really good rookie corner right now from Penn State that's playing well. Uh, Amani Oruwari, that's uh, he did that good. It's seen a lot more playing time and is doing pretty well. So that they've they've got some talent on defense, but it's just they got not, a hell of a kicker. You know, they got a hell of a kicker. <laughs> they do. They a got kicker. A kicker that You're going to give the kicker hey, some credit. Holy hey, cow! You know, I'm, I'm just saying. Any guy Matt that can just t- yeah, Prater just decides he's going to onside kick one off someone's rear end out there. I'm just going to aim at that guy who's already turning and peeling back on the front line. I'm going to hit him in the ass, and we're going to recover it, which they do, which is pretty doggone amazing when you think about it because he definitely planned that. It was not a, it was not a, uh, it was a planned squib, but it was, I've never seen one quite like that, and it's kind of the year of the squib kick. But Prater can hit a football so square, so down the middle, and so far away. He, they, I, they have easily the best kicker in the NFL, I think. No question about it. Um, so, given that, that's the breakdown. That's, that's the talk. What, what's going to happen? You know, what, what's your prediction? You guys can both jump in on this one. I, uh, I think it's going to be an awful lot more football game than we think it is. And I don't care what the records are, but I, I, I definitely think that we're in for a team here at U.S. Bank that, uh, quite frankly, is going to uh, test us coming back after a game like this. And I think it's going to be a close game um, like it was the first time. And I think that we probably get by and maybe seven points. I'm thinking it's probably a higher scoring game, uh, 28-21, something like that. Yeah. I didn't think they had. Uh, I didn't think they were going to win uh, last week or Monday night against the uh, against the Seahawks up there, but I think they've got a a pretty good edge over the Lions. At, having said that, though, uh, the last time we did this podcast was before the Broncos game here at U.S. Bank Stadium, right? And we both talked about how difficult it was going to be for a Broncos quarterback in Brandon Allen that had had only one lifetime start under his belt to come into U.S. Bank Stadium in that kind of environment against the Vikings defense and do well. He nearly won the game for him. We got the same scenario Sunday. David Blau, the quarterback for the Lions, got his first start on Thanksgiving Day. Played outstanding. First ever start, rookie from Purdue. Played unbelievable. Played well considering, didn't he? Really well. And really, now, really well. I get second NFL start. He's coming right into U.S. Bank Stadium, just he, like Brandon Allen did. Uh, and I, I'm going to say it again. I think he's behind the eight ball yeah. in that scenario. So I think the Vikings uh, should be able to take advantage of that. But uh, they'll have to play better than they did against the Broncos early in the game. There's one, just one thing about that is that they've seen him a couple times now. They know what the kid's good for. 
He came into that first game on, on Thanksgiving with uh, not much film to watch and prepare for him, uh, and, and he came in as sort of a, uh, a surprise. What's going to happen here? We don't have much to go by, and he, he proved pr- pretty pretty much that he, he could light the place up. If you give him some some reads and you give him some time up front, uh, he'll he'll make the throws. So, but at least we have that film now, and that is, so we know how to come and get him and what to take away from him. So. But, he's a, but he can play. He's a player. He's competitive. He can play. Stafford even went on to say it's been fun to watch him because he's a competitor. He's a, uh, a guy that prepares. And uh, so look out. Look out. Because it's uh, not a guy that's just going to roll over and die. The guy played really well on Thanksgiving. Um, and I don't, I don't know. It's going to be a tough game. Uh, 28-21. We're giving up a lot more points than I think we should. But I think they, they probably get a few points on us because of the way we, well, we gave up 37 last time. So... What do you guys think? I think they're going to bounce back in a big way. Big way? Yeah, big way. Meaning? Meaning I would take the, uh, I would take the Vikings and if I was, what's the spread? I don't even know. But probably by 10 or 11 points maybe. Well, I would. Probably uh, so. I think they'll maybe. win by more than that. They'll cover I the do. spread. Okay. Big voice, you got anything on that one? Well, I think one thing to watch for, I'm going to pick the Vikings to win, but I think one thing to watch for is Detroit is coming off a long week because they played on Thanksgiving. The Vikings are coming off a short week because they played on Monday night. Now the Vikings were coming off a bye playing on Monday night, um, so they have that going for them, but that might be something to watch to see if the Vikings maybe get off to a little bit of a sluggish start because they're coming off the shorter week. Lions come off with a faster start because they're coming off an extended week, uh, having played on Thanksgiving. Uh, so that might be something to watch, but I'll pick the Vikings to win a close one, uh, 30 to 24. 30 to 20. I like that scenario. I like the way you broke that one down. I go with the team now that had to that had to play earlier in this one. The Vikings knocking the rust off on Monday night and getting back on their horse, as opposed to a team that had to lay around and wait and have an extra practice day or two. Uh, that gets stale. That can be stale. And then you play away at U.S. Bank, pretty tough house to play in. But I, I agree. I, that, that's something you have to look into. Rest time and getting Knicks taken care of and having a little more time to do that is always beneficial this time of year. So that, that could come into play. I'll take Vikings 31-17. 31-17. I've got them 28-21. Uh, so, I well, go Vikes because we all think you're going to do it. Uh, find a kicker in between uh, now and then. Uh, okay, enough said on that one. Uh, we're going to come back and let you know how this one went. And preview the upcoming uh, San Diego, oh, I want to say San Diego, Los Angeles Charger game after that. And we'll let you know uh, what to expect. And we'll give you our breakdown here on the Morris and Moss podcast. I'd like to thank Randy Moss from the NFL Network, uh, the big voice, Manny Hill, the producer of this fine podcast, and uh, for myself, the superstar, Mike Morris. We'll talk to you next time around. Skull Vikes. <laughs>